Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Way In Podcast. I'm your host, Timo Way, and today's guest for episode number 15 is Eden Kaz. She is the founder of Just Be Meditation, which is based in Akron, Ohio. For those of you who don't know, that is my hometown. And Eden is a teacher of meditation and mindfulness. She is also a writer, and you can find her articles at HuffPost, Waking Times, among other publications. And I will, of course, link to these on the website. And Or you can go to visit Eden directly at JustBeMeditation.com. And one quick technical note on this one. Some of the audio is a bit in and out on my end due to, I think it was internet connectivity, guys. So thankfully, I'm not the star of this show. So uh, Eden came in all right. We dropped a call at the very, very, very end of this conversation. So it will sound like Eden's on a telephone call. And if you can get past that, and if you can listen and open your ears, your mind, and maybe try and get your heart opened up too while you're listening to this, I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. Eden has an incredible story. She has marvelous insight to share with us today on the podcast from meditation and mindfulness and three critical ways we can get the most out of our practice to her story. And I think that's really where the heart of this conversation lies in that Eden is a survivor and I would say also a thriver after surviving two brain surgeries as a result of a rare infectious disease. So simply put, Eden's almost died twice. And our conversation here was recorded uh, just about exactly a year after her diagnosis. So some crazy timing with this one. Eden, in her own words, and I think we'll all come to agreement about this uh, after you listen to her story that she says she's a strong meditation mama looking to enhance the world. So without further ado and belaboring the description too much, I'll let her speak for herself in this podcast. I do hope you enjoy. Let us know what you think. And without further ado, here's Eden Kaz. So if you can introduce yourself and what you have going on in the world of Eden Kaz and how you would explain where you are today to anyone who might not be familiar with you or your business or your writing. So, yeah. So I come from Statesboro, Georgia, which is near Savannah, went into the advertising world, was a creative director, was a little, not a little, a lot off balance through all of that and was searching. So went out to dinner in my late twenties with two of my friends who had found this woman who happened to teach meditation that they called the best thing they'd ever found. So I was intrigued with that. It wasn't that, so I'm a meditation teacher now and it wasn't uh, the meditation part that tickled my fancy, but the way they just talked about this woman. So I'm like, well, let me give it a try. So her name was Dr. Neela Peak, and I ended up being a student for six years. And when we were going to move to Alabama and then, to Ohio, she said, you need to start teaching. And I remember, I remember that moment distinctly going, God, this would be great. Cause I didn't want to do advertising in Alabama. At that point I had two kids, you know, and I could kind of do it when I wanted to and could start it, whatever. So we were there for a year and a half. Then my husband's job transferred us up to Ohio. So I started the meditation business, just be full-fledged. So we've been here now for 10 years and that's what I do essentially. So I'm a mom, I'm a wife, um, and I teach really progressive meditation. I can do corporate as well, so I can make this attainable to everyone, but it is really deep stuff too, very authentic. It brings out, uh, how, how do I put it? Stuff that you might not want to look at it says here I am and you have to look at it in a sense but you are so glad that you do it makes you deeper it makes you better all of that okay how was that I think that was great I, okay the, how long ago was this when you first discovered meditation oh, tw oh god 20 years ago yeah you're a 
curious. You're an explorer. Oh <laughs> so my gosh. <laughs> what was well, it like more... discovering it at that time? I mean, how <laughs> you're in, <laughs> it seems like another time. Yeah, I know it's been around for a lot longer in mindfulness, yes. but it's really seems to be coming into the mainstream view these days. Yeah. So, yes, because mindfulness was not even discussed at that time. Um, for me, I remember my first class, it was perfect. I knew that it was where I was supposed to be. I was so calm. It was just I don't know what it was in me. I just knew this is what I had to do and where I had to be. And I was affected immediately. There was so much in my person, I guess you would say, that I had ignored. And it brought all of it to the center very, very quickly. And when you talk about, I didn't realize how much I was also searching for God, spirituality. And this offered that up to me as well. So that was really, really strong. Really, really strong. And this meditation style, what yeah. was it? Is it transcendental meditation or? No. no, it's based on Taoism. So essentially it's not a religion, the philosophy that energy moves through all things. Um, and you know, when I'm a Reiki master, so there, and plus that I've been doing this for so long, there's so many different tools that I use. And uh, Dr. Piku, who was my teacher, was a psychologist as well. So our classes are like my deep advanced classes, which no one here, as far as I know, does involves partner work, Okay. which again, we think of meditation as being, oh, you're off on your own. And you know, you're, you go into a room, you shut off the phone, shut the door. And I'm like, no, there, to me, there are three pivotal things if you really want meditation it can be great for you no matter how you use it but if you want to use it as a tool to really become who you're meant to be for lack of a better way of saying it mm -hmm. um doing it in a group is really powerful because you put your trust in everyone there and plus when everybody is meditating you pick up on that so your meditations in a group are deeper than they are on your own, which I can attest to. Um, having a teacher, someone that you trust with your soul and every part of you, oh gosh, that is hard to do. But if you can do that, really, really great. And the third is when we come together in our group, it's like a microcosm of your life. If you can trust the other people in this room, it resonates outside your work, your family, your spouse, everything. So this is the trifecta, um, and it's, it is challenging. It is hard, so I don't want to sugarcoat it. You come in here, and you, you have to work, but it is the best work you can do. And I can attest from that from health reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into get to, uh, a little bit later. But, yeah, it's remarkable. Would you be willing to talk a little bit about what that experience was for you? Okay. Well, it's really interesting the time of this. So last year at this time, I went to the dock in the box um, and then went to the emergency room literally tomorrow. A year wow. From wow. So I just had a week of, I started with a little, a mild headache, um, probably had it for three days, didn't go away. Then I became incredibly dizzy, had a high school reunion that I was going to catch a flight to on Friday and go. And I canceled that. And I don't cancel anything. So my husband was like, something's up. So he kind of, <laughs> he was kind of annoyed. He said, let's go to the doc in the box. And the doc in the box said, well, we'll give you this migraine tonic. If you don't feel better tomorrow, we suggest that you go to the emergency room. So Saturday morning came. And as soon as I heard my husband rustling, I went downstairs and said, let's go to the emergency room. And it was really quick. A CAT scan showed that I had a lesion in my lung, three in my brain. So they rushed me directly to the hospital. And for a week, uh, it was believed that potentially I had stage four lung cancer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So literally, I was fine, healthy, did yoga, wow. you know, I ate pretty good. Um, but then suddenly everything is turned upside down, but it, it was weird. I wasn't 
the cancer didn't really fit, so I couldn't really attach that. Plus the fact that it wasn't proven. They tried to do a biopsy of the lung, wouldn't work. So the only next step was to actually go in and do brain surgery. So it was that week of waiting to know what to do next, waiting for the surgery was decided, was really an awesome week. Because first they gave me steroids, so there was no pain, which was (laughs) awesome. Um, And then just all the family and friends, I think I needed to see that, to see how much care there was out there. And my students who come to just be, you know, we have like a little family. It was great. (laughs) And knowing a little bit about the brain, I wasn't that worried about the surgery. You know, it's kind of different having your chest broken into or your leg. I'm just like, it's, it's my head, you know, which encompasses kind of everything, but there aren't any nerves there. You know, it might not be that painful. And there was a part, oddly enough, there was a part that was excited. Um, But I realized through all of this that I needed something this drastic to really make me slow down. Because I was really good at talking my talk. Oh, my goodness. This made me walk my walk. Everything that I was saying, I actually had to do. And I used to be the type of person, you know, I had to do my meditation in the morning. Mm-hmm. There were all these things. And I had a business at that time, people working for me. I paid all these bills. Mm-hmm. I was busy, busy, busy. That's not what my heart really wanted. I had moved away from doing a lot of the meditation stuff that was important to me. I wasn't giving back as much. So to go back to the brain stuff. So I had my first brain surgery. Uh Turns out that it was a rare infectious disease, not cancer at all. Uh, after the first brain surgery, I couldn't talk. So there, there are some things that you go, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize having someone work on my brain would cause all these, <laughs> right. all these things. Oh, I can't talk really well. Oh, look at that. Oh, and there's part of my peripheral vision I still can't see mm-hmm. um, from the left quadrant or white quadrant kind of far away. I can't see anything still. So that was quite amazing. And then everything seemed to be okay. So I went to a rehabilitation center and the day that I was to be released, I started throwing up, uh, went back to the emergency room. Apparently the antibiotics were not working. So I had to have a second brain surgery. Uh, yes. So did that. Okay. Let me mention at this point, I almost died twice, which I can't even describe how awesome in a sense that was. I know it sounds weird, but one of them, Tell one of the more about I, that when, when you, when oh, you say yeah. it was awesome, what, what was awesome about <laughs> almost dying? Oh gosh, Timo, we could get so deep. I'm happy to go there. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, okay. The first, the first time I had just literally had my brain surgery, my first one was in the ICU at night. At that point, I was kind of okay being by myself because I didn't want, you know, it's really hard to sleep in the hospital. Um, I knew I would be okay. But after this night, someone had to be there with me at night because I realized too that sometimes things happen at night that, uh, that are kind of not so great. But anyway, the ICU, I am not kidding you, was like hell. It what they left my door open. Oh geez, yeah, there ICU was a noisy place. Yes, and oh, the hospitals goodness. are noisy. Oh my gosh, when we left, it was so great. Um, but it was probably the most traumatic night in terms of people who were coming in. There was yelling, there was screaming, there was throwing up, there was laughing, kind of every emotion that oh, you could my. imagine through life. And all I could do was sit there and listen. At that point, it was hard for me to talk. I couldn't just say, hey, could someone close the door? I just had to sit there. And I'm like, do I really want to go on or not? And I felt that I could really make that decision. I knew that my kids and my husband would be okay. I knew it would be hard, but they would survive it. I knew that my friends would be okay. I knew that that my life had been, you know, that there was nothing left undone or unturned. And I really had to sit there and go, am I ready to go or should I stay? And it was so cool because through all of this, I could 
yeah, I really had a choice and I know I could have left this earth if I wanted to. I remember the turning point deciding that I wanted to stay and that the next day I would just be really happy and that I wanted to eat. So a nurse came in, I remember at four in the morning and somehow I got out of my mouth to call my husband on his cell phone. <laughs> He's probably doesn't like the story, but he ended up coming three hours later, um, brought me food. And I remember being happy. When you were at that point yeah. at yeah. what was that moment? Where were you? So to speak, understanding, yes, you're in the ICU, but where were you mentally? It was a very kind of what I teach as well. It's a very spiritual meditation, but everything is based essentially that you have to be a human being first and foremost. Um, and then you can lock your spirituality into all that. We don't go, Hey, woohoo. At the beginning, you have to bring the woohoo down, <laughs> you know, and understand yourself as a person first. And that's how it was that evening. There wasn't any bright light. There weren't spirit guys that came down. It was a very rational type of decision. Literally I could say yes or no. And if I said, yes, I want to die, I would just go wherever, you know, going is, or I would stay. It was that clear. You mentioned in one of your articles, and you just touched on it there with woohoo vulnerability yeah. versus sort of a human vulnerability. Could you speak more yeah. to that? What is woohoo vulnerability when you're saying it there? Oh, that's a really good question. All right, let me see how I can answer that. And maybe we backtrack a little bit. So sure. I, if I have students come in to class who want to go to a level of angels and spirit guides, that's cool. But the first thing we need to do is to ground that person. So I, I love spirituality. I love everything about it. But a part of me is like, that is not important at this point in the game, especially with everything that's going on in the world, that we need to just be incredibly conscious and aware as human beings, because we are on this earth, this is what we're supposed to do. And if we know that there is more, that there is a higher power, that's all great. And we should all know that, but we are here on this planet. Let's be a human being and let's be what we're supposed to be. And that could be, you know, for some just sitting and being in meditation is what they need to do at this point in order to change things. They need to not be so riled up. And if they are calm, it affects the world. So again, it doesn't have to be this big thing that you do. It can be small and simple and it can be very human yet. It is very spiritual at the same time. What are some of the ways that we can ground ourselves? So we're talking about, we have this woohoo, I'm seeing like this fluff. Um, but getting down to the grounding and how did you do it within that space of Eden, you have a choice. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let me go back to this, um, the, these brain tumors just a little bit. All right. So I yep. am not a Western medicine fan. Um, okay. I went to the doctor for, you know, some issues I was having in my twenties and all the medication, made things worse. Uh, there was one medication that it took me 10 years to correct. So here I am in the hospital being given loads of antibiotics, which got me in trouble Goodness. a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But there was this part that I was very, it was more of my mindset that the Western medicine I just knew at this time was going to be good for me and I could control it by being calm. But that also means that I, you know, I had Reiki done on me. I had Bowen, I had massages. I did my meditation. There was one day that I couldn't move for seven days. And if oh, I hadn't my. had my meditation practice, oh my gosh, it would have been so <laughs> difficult. So to add that in. So I think it's all about balance. It's about yes. being real, but it's also about knowing and trusting that God or the universe or whatever you believe in mm -hmm. is out there. Um, 
Let's see. All right. So to be blunt, I, I can see energies of people that have passed. Like if I really open my eyes, I can see a whole bunch of stuff, but it doesn't really matter. Like where I am now, it's great to have this. And it used to just tickle me and I used to get all excited. Now I don't honestly really care. Um, it's like, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Everyone has the ability to see this if they want, if they become calm, if they let their layers down, if they really open up. And my job is essentially to show everyone that that is possible and to be kind of blase about it. Like it's not, it is a big deal, but it's not. So, so much of my life right now is dichotomy as well. Sure you know, to be really spiritual and to be aggressive and to go out there and talk, but it doesn't really matter at the same time, which is so odd, which is essentially what I went through a little bit. So I had, I had a studio. Um, we moved it during the whole time I was in the hospital. So I live in Ohio. So moving, moved the studio 30 miles away, which, you know, when you have brain surgery, you don't realize that driving could be an issue. <laughs> Um, also in this town where I live. So I lived in Atlanta for a while. So moving 30 minutes is no big deal here. It is a big deal. I shouldn't have the energy or the drive to build my business up. I didn't really want it to be a business. So I brought everything home and that, that was a huge deal as well because just be meditation. I had all these ideas about what it meant to have my own studio. I wanted to have classes, but none of that really matters. It really doesn't matter. And it took me, it took me this to see that, which is hard, but I needed it. I needed to be, can I say ass? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> I needed to be kicked in the ass and I was <laughs> I'm so happy for it. <laughs> Yeah, that you're able to find this and use this as a teaching experience, if that's a good way to explain yeah, it. Oh but to, to be able to find it, you're bringing so much optimism. Uh, just like radiating sunshine person <laughs> through Aww. the mic right now. It's uh, it's very exciting to hear that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. And it, the fighting. And, and the, other, the other thing I really put a pin on is that you talked about the dichotomy and, and, and I've seen you oh, written God. about the sort of the contradictions of spirituality and right. pulling from these two crazy, vastly different directions. Like, okay, here's yes. a spiritual thing where if I get still, I can see things that maybe somebody who's just so caught in their day to day is going to think I'm a psychopath. Right. And then the other, right. but also acknowledging, yeah, you know, there's a practical side of, my business. Can I get to my business? Yes. Like, am I physically capable of actually getting there? How do you reconcile that as you go along in your day to day, that contradiction? Well, I think having this brain stuff made it easy for me in a sense, because I really, I had a choice because the old me before all this would have been like, Oh, I will get in the car and make this 30 minute drive. You know, I will meet with people. <laughs> <laughs> Part of me went, no, you're not. You can do that. You can continue to push yourself. Because I used to be very much a type A person. Mm -hmm. um, but a part of me was like, no, you've done that your whole life. Just give some of this up because you're not really giving it up. You may think you are because this is what a business should look like. This is what you should do. Stop with all the shoulds. You know, spiritually, this has happened to you for a reason. You need to slow down. And my basement is where I taught classes when I first started. And there was started, and there was nothing really down to it. So literally, my studio fit perfectly in my basement. It's weird how things mm. can come to be. And now, when I have classes, I just go downstairs. I don't have to get in my car. The business has moved to your basement now. Yes, it's at my house. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> is it cool? <laughs> Good. That's cool. I mean, I haven't, I'll have to maybe stop by next time in Ohio to see what this is oh, like in action. Great. Uh, I, I would love, love to. Yeah. Yeah. I guess to shift directions here, you've talked about how I, one of your articles, you said you're not, you ain't no guru. What's your teaching style like? Most people, I think it's accurate when they meet me and find out that I teach meditation, they're a little surprised because I don't 
look like I would. And there must be this expectation that a meditation teacher, you know, looks a certain way, acts a certain way. Mm. We curse in class. Um, It's funny. I don't curse that much in everyday life, but in class, I curse a lot because words have energy. And sometimes people need to hear certain words for it to affect them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, What's your take on that, by the way, on cursing? I know in some some realms of the spiritual community or other communities that cursing is a no-no. It's like, oh, no, no, you shouldn't release those words into the world. What's your take on that? Well, my take is my practice, again, when I do deep work is very intuitive. And I'm very picky about my words. I've gotten to the mm-hmm. point where things go through my head before they come out my mouth. So I'm very... Yes particular about what words I use because I know in my gut what words will spawn people to the next step or what will really get them energetically moving. Mm -hmm. So if they need to hear words that aren't that pleasant per se, they need to hear it. And I am not scared to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, I'm not scared to do anything. So if anyone comes to me, again, it's very gentle and very loving, Mm -hmm. but my reason for being on this earth is to change people, to change the world. So I am not scared. I am not, I will use the words I need to use. I will be there for you. But yeah, you have to kind of be ready to come here because once we're on this roller coaster, as I tell people, there's no getting off unless you stop it and pull the brake and you don't come back to class. (laughs) (laughs) But I say all that kind of, you know, with my finger pointing, but it is also right. very it is also very loving and gentle. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you do this work with people, the people that come to this class, the bonds that are formed, I mean, it's what I always thought church would be like, but it wasn't for me. Not saying that some churches aren't this sure. close and this tight, but I don't know if if there's so much that is shared and so much deep stuff that goes on here. I don't know if it can be attained any other way. Interesting. What, what do you think one of those key differences is in terms of you know, how you envision a church? If I'm thinking in my head about a church, I'm thinking at least in a standard model. In my mind, it's okay. preachers up there telling me what to think about or interpreting a version of the book of the Mm -hmm. Bible and saying, this is the way things are. And then on your way for the rest of the week, Mm -hmm. um, sharing a bit of wisdom. I don't know if that's the way you think or view it, but how is your practice? What do you think one of the key components is of your practice that gives it that aspect? Okay. Wonderful. Um, I would say you can come in here with whatever faith or background that you have. It isn't my, goal to say, well, there's this way, or you need to believe this. My job in a sense is for you to come in with all your background to make it richer and to make it deeper. And for you again, to be your own guru. So I just act as a guide. I push you if you need to be pushed or I get you to realize things that maybe you're not aware of. I have a teacher that does this for me as well, because every teacher needs a teacher. Um, and I must give her credit. She helped me so much during all of this brain stuff because she comes at it like I would like to come at it, not even you need to do this or this needs to happen. It's your choice. Mm -hmm. You have the freedom to believe, to do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. So I have people of all faiths and all backgrounds that come to class. I've taught at at churches. I've done a book intro for a Christian um, priest. Um, I think religion is great, but I also believe, or instead of but, I should say and, and I also believe, again, take any ancient text, anything that fits you, but be your own guru as well. Um, you know, what is your belief about God? Not what someone else told you believe about him or her. What is your belief? What do you feel? And to me, meditation is getting in that quiet space that if you want to, you can actually hear your connection and it helps you. Oh gosh, be quiet. I start to get a little, ugh. Um, <laughs> it helps you be quiet. So you can see that there's more that you can understand 
that you can touch more. Mm -hmm. You can get out of your own way and feel the bigness of everything. Mm. Oh. Yeah, that's okay. beautiful. Oh, oh thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. I have the chills. I love it. <laughs> I love oh, thanks. It. <laughs> um, one of my friends, we did a podcast earlier, uh, one of the past episodes, he calls this process discovering your inner guru yeah and you two use very similar uh, have very similar pathway to get there and describe it it's it's a beautiful thing and my someone's asked me to define god before and when they asked oh, me wow. i was like i gosh i've actually have i've never thought about this uh what is god to me and the first word was silence mm. and i suppose that's how you described it is that space is what I look for or listen for. I'm listening for nothing in a mm -hmm. sense, but mm -hmm. more of a feeling. And mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you along those lines, maybe a tangent here, but talked about teachers and teaching okay. styles. So how can someone who is interested in this, let's say someone who has never meditated, meditation is like, oh, what's that? How can we find a teacher? And what are some qualifications to find a teacher who I suppose we can trust if we're completely new to this practice, whether, you know, and also I guess throw in a caveat, uh, whether it's, you know, any type of spiritual teacher, whether it's meditation, uh, life coach, uh, nutrition, nutritionist, whatever that happens to be. Yeah. Hmm. Well, first you need to like them. That is key. <laughs> That's that a good someone, qualification. Yeah, that someone yes. you would want to be friends with, someone that you would really trust. Uh, in terms of meditation, I would recommend, again, it isn't just someone who has a certification because meditation and mindfulness can get really deep really fast. Mm. I work with people who've been through you know, very traumatic experiences, been through grief and meditation and mindfulness can bring things up very quickly. So in terms of that, you want to make sure you are with a person who knows how to handle that. And again, there really isn't a certification for that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, I was lucky enough to have this teacher who I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was so lucky to have her again she wasn't just some woohoo person she was oh my gosh she was amazing mm -hmm. and taught me such amazing things um so yeah i i would be very particular with who you go to because for meditation specifically it it deals with your soul as well who are you going to put your your soul's hands into goodness i would be very cautious and very picky mm-hmm Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay because, again, there's a, a an issue with kind of woohoo people that we just trust everyone. You know, if someone says they're spiritual, oh, I am too, lovey-dovey. Yes. But there is a part, too, that keep that if you can, but also be very discriminative. Discriminative, did I say that right? Discriminating. How about discriminating. that? Discriminating. Both work. Discriminating. I knew what you were saying. Okay, good. Um, that you're not being hard on someone, but you're being – realistic. Again, we this ties into the person with the bloody nose and just using prayer. Maybe you're supposed to call the doctor. Maybe, you know, use both methods. Right. Um, be very practical about things, but also go, go with your head and your heart. Yes. You know, we're not in this world where, oh, we just go with our heart, where our heart leads us. No, we can't. We're human beings as well. We're fallible. Things hurt. Yes. Um, be careful, but be open all at the same time is such, is so crazy, but it's so true, right? Yeah, I agree. Uh, wholeheartedly fist pumping over here. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some people too that don't have potentially the training. I'm not really big on certifications. Certain things need certain certifications. I, I would just look at the person's history what you feel about them, what you think about them, um, and go with your gut. Yep. You know, sometimes I, what I always ask for too is my highest good. So I have stopped a lot of planning for the future, setting specific goals because after I had this, this brain stuff, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I could have 
never anticipated this, but it was for my highest good. And I really don't know what my highest good will be, what it will look like. So I've somewhat released these expectations for myself in a much more trusting, I guess is the word, that I don't have to, not that I'm being lazy, but there is a part that I, I don't have to do all the work that I used to do to get to a certain level or a certain point. I can just trust that it will be, and whatever it is, is for the best, not only of me, but for my family, for my students, for everybody. And I tell you, that takes a lot, especially for someone like me, takes a lot of guts. Right, would you say, so it sounds like there's a lot of letting go involved in this. And yes. that having, as you stated, that type A personality, yeah. goal setting, meeting deadlines, meeting oh, Lordy. expectations of yeah. a future self and letting, <laughs> yes. uh, letting go of all of that. Uh, do you have a sort of a, a replacement practice for that? Or is it just a day-to-day be your best self in this day and good will come that's meant for you. What is, yes. what is that mentality? Is that, am I hitting? Am yeah, I, hitting? I, I think you're hitting it dead on in a sense. So I used to have, you know, I would get up in the morning and have a meditation for myself yes. that I would exercise. I had all these things set and not that this should be what everybody does, but at right. this point in my life with what I've gone through, I don't do any of that anymore. My whole day is mindful. My whole day is like a meditation. So I don't take time for it anymore. It just is. Every moment. That's great. I've experienced this same shift recently. And I I used to have my entire first few hours of the day structured. Uh, Meditation for X amount of time. Eating this exact meal on this day. I'm wearing this outfit. And I mean, I didn't have it all written down in a calendar. I just knew what I needed to do that day. And it was very structured. Uh, And every single month, a new set of 30-day goals. I'm going to add these three three practices to my life, whether it was a certain diet, doing X amount of push-ups in the morning, whatever that looked like for the month, and then also remove a few. I had three pluses, three minuses every 30 days. Uh, No news, no this, no that. So- I threw that all away and because wasn't it tiring? Yes. Yes. And it's tiring even at this point. No, it really is to to allow for that fluidity in life has been, it's opened up a lot more to sort of expect the expectation of synchronicity, so to speak. Uh, And then also on the tiring point that you brought up, it's, it can be at times I notice I'm like, man, I feel tired when I listen to yeah. my type A friends spout off like, hey, do you want to join this challenge this month? Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to be, I'm going to read X amount of books. I'm going to write this much. I'm going to do this every day. I, mean, I have this diet. I'm going to do this for 30 days. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I'm not going to project my wants and needs on them, but I, you know, it feels a little bit tiring. Yeah. Uh, be like water, my friend. Amen, brother. And even exercise, like I have been a pretty vigilant exerciser. So like I've done yoga, I mm-hmm, do, mm-hmm. you know, other things. Um, I had a process every week of things that I did to keep my body strong. Mm-hmm. So the past year, because some of the anti-seizure medication that I've been on makes you really tired, my mm-hmm. exercise routine isn't really a routine anymore. And how I exercise now, which usually is maybe once or twice a week for when I really dedicate to, so I'll do some stomach exercises, you know, five or 10 minutes here, Mm -hmm. but I dedicate at least an hour typically just twice a week. And even my workouts are different and what I, or how I believe my body will react is different. It's so much, I used to just exercise to exercise because I quote unquote knew I needed it. Yes. Now, even exercise is much more deeper, much more deeper, uh, much deeper, much more mindful. I'm much more aware of my physical self mm. than, I, than I was before. Again, I just did it because I knew it was good, quote unquote, good to do. Now I do it for me because mm. it is good for me. And when I don't want to do it, 
I don't, which is so not like who I was mm. before all this because I had to do it, you know. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm yes. a pretty um, – it's, it's weird. I'm a thin person. When I don't exercise, I actually look like a really skinny person. <laughs> so a part of me is like, well, you, you have to keep this up to look a certain way. I'm like, you know, I, I'm going to change my mindset on all of this. Everything's going to change. Everything. And so far, so good. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Can't have to laugh for a minute. <laughs> okay. Uh, I really, I wanted to share a quote that you wrote. Uh, oh, God. Because I am, I'm a big fan of less is more. And you said, for me, being less, or what I thought was less, was like having more. Yeah. And I don't know, it's kind of the punchline for what a, a lot of what you're you're speaking to. And I'm just kind of thinking about my pre-go-with-the-flow-man uh, status. It's like, how, how do you tell someone or how do you help someone get to this point, if you even do, of that is someone who's got that busy day-to-day schedule, a 8-to-5, 8-to-10, whatever, tw- eight to 12 hour job type a what are some ways that that person can get grounded and take what's a good first step for them to maybe find a little bit more centeredness so to speak in their life mm, gosh a first step without you know teeing up the obvious you know hey man meditate but <laughs> <laughs> right i i would just encourage being more aware of their day-to-day, what they are feeling when they go to work, what they are feeling when they walk into work, you know, are at work, are they stopping to take a breath? Are they, do they like work? Do they not like work? Being more honest and open and aware of yourself. Literally, that is the key to everything. And the more you can do that, the better decisions you will make. Um, they may not be quote unquote practical decisions, but they will work out. And if you go to your heart, which again, you use your mind also, um, things can be very dramatic because there's so many things in society right now that I should do this. I need to work. I have to, you know, no, you don't. And what I encourage is what if you could do it your own way, regardless of what society says, regardless of how you were brought up, regardless of what your parents say, what would you do? What would your heart say to you? And over time, if you listen, you really have to listen. But if you listen, you will show yourself to you. And my belief is also that God is, you know, created us or again, whatever you believe in, but we are a part of this big master plan. Um, And I believe there's a plan, but I also believe there isn't a plan. I believe that we make all these choices. Um, Yeah. Why, why are you here? There's a much bigger reason that you're here. What is that? So just be aware of yourself, be conscious of yourself and know that there's more. That's yeah. Well put. Well put, sister. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Hey, and a good explanation is there. Um, I hope she doesn't mind me talking about her a little bit, but I will be very generic. There is a uh, person who has started coming to class. This is a really good scenario that kind of her life right now is good. Mm-hmm. But when she comes to class, she feels this contrast in her. So she doesn't know whether to come to class or just to live her life and be okay. And my part is, is what you feel and hear, you feel all the time, but you're just not aware of it. Mm. So it is uncomfortable to come to class because it is very heightened. But if you leave and decide not to come back, it doesn't mean that that goes away. Right, right. It is always there, and whatever it does in your body could land somewhere. It could fester. Yes. And that's telling what it could create. But again, it is your choice. If you want to live a certain life, do what is best for you. Of course, being a person who wants everyone to be aware and wants to be conscious, 
I would encourage that you just go for it and look, even though things aren't pretty, if you can have the courage just to look at them and acknowledge them, you will move past them. The things that seem very scary when you confront them, they are not as scary as you thought they would be. And coming from me right now, I'm not scared to die. I'm not really scared of anything. (laughs) It doesn't sound like it at all. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure I would be hurt if someone, you know, hurt me or whatever. But um, at this point in my life, you know, I could go tomorrow and I'm okay with that. Death has no hang up over me. Not that it really used to, but now that I've kind of experienced it, um, yeah, I'm good to go. Yeah, it's good a, to be here. Good to not. Whatever. This is an idea I've been really floating around this past week. Is this idea of death, or okay. not just death for some reason, whatever? Not in a depressed way. I've been thinking about it. It's just like death is such a great teacher, and for whatever reason, recently yeah. it's integrated into me. Like there is, I'm going to die. We are born, and then we oh. die, and whatever, right. whatever, all any book or any person's opinion is of what happens after that moment, I don't know. So I am just so lucky I get to live. I heard someone say, you know, change your I have to's into I get to's. Yes. And I get to live and I get to be here today. And why not make this the best expression of doing whatever it is that I want to be doing, whatever the heck that thing is. I'm going to write my journal today and I'm going to go do some cartwheels and learn how to do a handstand against this door because that's what I want to do. Yeah. And fear who cares you know unless you know unless a bear is chasing me that that's a different story but um just really that the idea of we've got we've got this chance i've got this chance death is there it's gonna happen what's the story going to be until then Mm -hmm. Uh, that's lovely it's really been it's been a really in a very happy way it's been something uh Mm -hmm. and to hear you and your experience with it coming so close twice and walking away with it it sounds like a bright smile i mean what what better teacher can there be oh gosh it has deepened me so much and allowed me to let go of so much that that i wouldn't have been able to if this hadn't happened or it would have been really really hard so i am so so thankful not to say that this was easy parts of it were really challenging but if i was going to give it a one to ten in terms of awesomeness 10 would be it you know and i and there were some things painful that i needed to experience because now i can relate to other people in a way again there's so much that unless you've been there you can like for me i can feel it in some way but if i've been there myself yeah it's so much more impactful yes. and people come here a lot with pain so being someone who knows what pain is, is actually good. What, what is a book that you have most recommended to people to read if they're curious about this subject? I have two, actually. Um, the Path of the Heart by Jack Kornfield. I, I probably got that book, oh gosh, probably 10 years ago. But it was the most accurate book at the time for essentially what I taught. I remember reading it going, Oh my gosh, he's kind of been to this class or he knows, he knows the reason, the, I don't want to say the real reason, but the the deepest reason for meditating again, de-stressing is awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, all that, all the benefits that meditation can bring are wonderful. But if you really want to go to that next step, He's very honest about what it entails. So I love that. And also uh, John Kabat-Zinn's book, um, oh, God, on the key one on mindfulness, Catastrophic Living. Catastrophic Living, great title. But the reason I love these books, I don't know if, if y'all heard any of this or if you heard this before, that both of the books are really honest. They don't pussyfoot around anything they don't talk about you know oh if you did this you would be blissful and happy (laughs) you know and all that stuff that happens and it is important but it's not the most important thing so even the word bliss to me right now I kind of cringe at that because I do all of this to be peaceful 
not to be blissful. Bliss comes from that. There's so much expectation behind the word bliss. Yeah, that I, I really don't want to use it at this point in my life. Interesting. Anyway, I'm getting off on, on more stuff. Like, no, appreciate it. Bliss. Yeah. <laughs> not about getting blissed out. <laughs> yeah, or get blissed out or get zen. I don't know. I, I think to be a human and to be in this world, it's good to have that. Yes. Not too much of it because you want to be connected. You want to be a part of it. You want to be willing or okay to be in the hurtfulness but not be too damaged by it. But to be there and to be strong. But what does strong mean? Strong also means being vulnerable and being, you know, authentic. Again, all these contradictions. Right. Pulling so from wonderful and so both sides at all times, like holding up some, yeah. holding up a 400 pound dumbbells on each side of a, of a, <laughs> uh, a bar. It's the dumbbell or the barbell method, yes. so to speak, <laughs> to balance both. <laughs> right. Yeah, so the book, The right. uh, Catastrophic Living was the last, is that the right title that you had mentioned? Yeah, and, and the title I think is a little bit more expansive, but John sure. Kabat-Zinn John Kabat-Zinn, it. got it. There have been, I think, yeah, there have been like seven or eight editions. It is, um, his, uh, he might have more books on mindfulness, but to me that is kind of the mindfulness Bible. And to me, meditation and mindfulness are kind of one of the same, that the practices are a little different, but they're not. Essentially, meditation to me is every waking moment, which yes. is the same as mindfulness, so it all right. can essentially integrate together. And there isn't a meditation practice that doesn't have some sort of mindfulness mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. major component, which that's what meditation is. So anyway, another, another good set of contradictions. everything is the same life is full of contradictions yes yes (laughs) goodness all right so i I suppose we can wrap it up here i know we had a bit of a uh, technical pause there and i want to acknowledge you first of all again thank you for taking the time to be here share your story and do so courageously and with that vulnerability you're speaking of and though i can't see you i know you're smiling at least most of the time, oh, and man. to really bring that, you're radiating positivity through the audio waves here, and it's very, very refreshing to hear, and I guess if you could depart or leave one last piece of advice, because in the day-to-day, at least when I'm walking down the street, I'll smile at someone, and a lot of times I don't get that smile back, there's not a lot of smile reciprocity, could be Seattle, uh, I don't want to knock Seattle, but... For you to be able to face this darkness and come out so light, what's one thing you, you mm-hmm. would say to everyone out there listening who's going through the poo-poo and, and to maybe balance it with, you know, maybe not too much of the woo-hoo to use some of the, not to be too silly, but yeah. what's one thing that, one parting piece of guidance from, from you that you could share with us? Anything you want. Well... Anything I want. Okay, first, I I am sitting here with such, I'm like somewhat in awe that literally it is so cool to talk about everything that I've been through, essentially on the one-year anniversary or whatever. Like, literally, I would have gone into the hospital it's, tomorrow. So, I'm sitting here going, the timing. oh, my gosh, it's been a year. I know, and to be able to talk about it deeply with you is just amazing. So my advice would be, oh gosh, let's see, what would my advice be? That that I'm sitting here, none of this I would have expected or planned for, it just happened. So, so much trust is involved. Um, I would tell anyone, you have a blessed life, but it is up to you to find it that we are put here with certain things that we need to discover, whatever. But again, we have choices. So I'm like what, what you said a while back, Timo, don't waste your life. And it doesn't matter, but it does matter. There's that contradiction again. But if you are here, discover why you are really here. 
you know, it could be that you're you're a great at doing, you know, you could be a great teacher. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a spiritual teacher or a minister or whatever. Um, yeah, find what makes you happy because that is what the world needs right now is people that are just complacent and in a good place. So do that. Do that for you. Do that for your kids. Do that for your partner. Do that for your family. Do it for the earth. Oh, my gosh. Can you feel I'm not pointing my finger, but, God, there's a part of me that's just like, oh, just do it. I sound like Nike. Just do it. It's, it is Nike. Just do it. <laughs> Jump off the diving board. It. Jump in. Yes. Amen. Right. Okay. That's that's great. I, I, yeah. This is the last question. This is the easiest question, or maybe not. But what is the best oh way to okay. find you? What's the best way to find you, and how can people get a hold of you? Oh, that's so nice. Uh, well, my website is Just Be Meditation. You can go there. Like you said earlier, I do write for the Huffington Post. So um, they were having a little bit of an issue with you used to be able just to put in my name and my articles would come up. So I think there there's a link on my website to get to those articles. Okay. Uh, my phone number, my phone number is on uh, the website. Um, I'm on Facebook. You know, I'm on all the social Twitter, all that kind of is stuff. Is it just there. be meditation on everything? Yeah. Just, just be, um, it should be on most everything. I'll find it and get and it linked I can up do for people that aren't. Oh, thank you. Well, and um, you also don't have to be local. I can do Skype. I like to be one-on-one because I like to add touch and be kind of touchy-feely. But I can do things over the wire or over the phone as well. Great. We do have technology. It works for the most part. Thank you, Eden. (laughs) Very grateful for you to take the time to talk to me today. And it was great getting to connect with you. No. Next time in Akron, I will find you. Thank you for being there. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay, please do. I will. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Way In with Eden Kaz. For show notes and lots more, head over to timoway.com slash justbemeditation. And until next time, we'll play you out to the sounds of Volphonic, the dub version of Love Not Money. Throwback to episode one. Make it a wonderful day, everyone. We'll see you next time. Through the eye of a needle, then it is for a rich man to enter through the gates of Zion, you know? Solabantan and Volphonic come again, you know? Say, I don't care too much for money. Money can buy me love. No, 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 no. Material things might make you happy, but in them no put your trust on me. Sing again. I don't care too much for money. Money can buy me love. No, 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 no. Material things might make you happy, but in them no put your trust on Material boy and girl in a material world Ready to sell them soul, filly, diamonds and pearls Well, that don't make no sense, you're living in a pretense To obtain the pounds and the pence Dollars and cents, drop my euro and yen Money comes in on your hand and then it's gone again Me no begging no friend, from I can feed my children Me keep the money at a distance, it's insanity Cause them I put them vanity before humanity Them talking love and showing on, we need some clarity to practice what you preach is a necessity To gain a profit, human life is a commodity Them say we went to war to stop human atrocity Coincidence upon some hardware that was so lucky Say whose idea is this strategy? This lifestyle is a tragedy Say I don't care too much for money Money can't buy me love, no, 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 no Material things might make you happy In a them no put your trust on me Sing again, I don't care too much for money Money can't buy me love, no, 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 no. Material things might make you happy. In a them no put your trust up. Say them a dash for the cash, them a sprint for the mint. They ready for kill them one another. Without a blink, you better think. Cause unity is strength, so keep the link to gain the world and lose your soul. So tell me what's the benefit? Money grabber, find some most of them a backstabber. Money come before them friend and them brother. Would I sell them mother? Trading them granny for a dollar. Greed and gluttony, you where them follow. Volphonic blaze of fire Love for harmony we live with ya. Money pay with bills and not with master Your master card and visa They claim it woulda make your life easier Now you're in a debt and they're on your knees Say I don't care too much for money Money can't buy me love No, 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 no 
Material things might make you happy. In a them to put your trust on me sing again. I don't care too much for money. Money can't buy me love. Oh, no, 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 no. Material things might make you happy. In a them to put your trust, it can't buy me love. Money can't buy me love, love, love. Can't buy me love. It can't buy me love, love, love.